world's on fire, our culture's disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, I'm paddling hard already this morning. <laughs> That's right. I, I was up early, man. I don't, I don't know. I was up about, uh, I think it's 4:20 when that when that alarm finally went off. I, I hit the ground running. I've been, I've been paddling hard. Clay, I'm gonna need a nap here somewhere today. But uh, it's you know, uh, changed my life. When I started going to bed early. Those of you who try to call me after nine o'clock, be careful. I might already be in bed. And uh, this morning I was up at 4:30. And uh, <clears throat> Spirit of the Lord woke me up. It's good, man. I waste waste all my life sleeping. It's good to be alive. Good to be awake. I want to uh, want to say right off the bat how uh, Michelle made this comment. For those of you who missed our prayer gathering on uh, Saturday night, <clears throat> and I have to apologize. Michelle said, "Why'd you do that on Saturday night?" Well, duh, because I'm stupid. That's why. Stupid should have been Sunday night. But when I first set it up, I was thinking that SatanCon was began already. It's next week. So I wanted to do it before SatanCon began, and we could have done it Sunday night. So I apologize for those of you who weren't able to be part of it on Saturday night. We had a great gathering. Michelle pointed out something to me that was really, really, it was really kind of profound, actually. <clears throat> she sat upstairs. I was doing the show down here. We, we went for an hour. We went for 90 minutes. Those of you who missed it, 90 minutes. 90 minutes. I don't know how many people were in. It doesn't matter. Wherever two or more are gathered, he's in the midst. So if there were three of us, that'd be pretty powerful. What if there's 30 of us? That'd be, there's more than that, right? Pretty powerful. And we went on the offensive against the devil, which is what we're supposed to do. But Michelle told me, and, and, I, and I noticed it again myself. As I sat here and I listened, people raised their hand. We called them in to pray. Uh, the gifts in the body. Hang on, Lord, just thank you, Lord. Just anoint our words and our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. The gifts in the body. And uh, uh, Michelle said after after the uh, prayer gathering, 90-minute prayer gathering, she was astonished. That wasn't the right word, but that's the I'm, word I'm using. At the depth of people in the queue. And what came out of them when they were given the opportunity to dig deep. And some of the scriptures, I, I, I sh- I'm going to have to go back and listen to it if I can here at some point. There were at least three scriptures read that were so apropos, and I didn't know those scriptures. So my goodness, where did they find that? Right? Why? Well, because in the multitude of many counselors, great wisdom. And the people that came in and prayed, I was asking myself after the show, I wonder, I wonder how many of them have ever been asked to pray in their church. I wonder if the, if the pastor had ever put a demand on them 
Because why? The job of the pastor. Again, I, hey, I'm sorry if I run down that same road. That's where I, that's where I live, right? The job of the pastor is to train, equip, and mobilize the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. And I saw again the untapped power in the pew. We'll say it again, Clay. The untapped power in the pew is astonishing to me. Astonishing. And I thought when we got started, you know, I knew it was on a Saturday night. I didn't know how many people would show up. I, I didn't know. I thought, well, we'll, maybe we'll try to go for an hour here. We'll try to go for an hour. Then I tried to shut it off in an hour because just thought an hour was enough. And then some more jumped in. We went another 30 minutes. We couldn't shut it off. And it's one thing to say that you're doing something in your prayer closet. That's good. But there's something about corporate prayer that is very, very, very powerful. Very powerful. And I just want to acknowledge all of you did it. We ought to do it more often, but I don't want it. I don't want it to be a. Um, I like. I like it to be. I like it to be target focused. <clears throat> and um, we're not used. To, we're not used to going on the offensive together like that. And it was. It was a blessing to me. So I appreciate all of you joined it. Sorry, those of you couldn't join it, and uh, we'll, we'll get another one up and running. I got a lot of information on Satan Con. I'm not going to talk about it today. I want to go a different direction than maybe Satan Con. Uh, here's the good news. There's a lot of organized opposition to Satan Con out in the Massachusetts area. There's a lot of it. And we have some things planned that I'm not going to talk about publicly because I don't want the enemy to know what's going on. But uh, I want you to know that we're involved, and we are, are now partnering with some people up there who are actively involved with what's going on. And uh, see, we've reached a point, right, where where Satan is, you know, he don't even, he don't even wear a pitch, he ain't carry a pitchfork anymore. He doesn't even wear his red uniform. He just comes right out in the middle and right in the middle of everything. And the average church and the average Christian doesn't even understand what's going on. You guys do. We do. Thank God for being here. Mel, you got your hand up. So you must want to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about the the prayer. I, I really believe in my heart that that's how the church is supposed to operate. I mean, yes. you facilitated it, Coach, but you weren't a heavy leader in that. We all were able to really just, you know, lift up and, you know, bring to the table what we what we were thinking about and what, what God put on our heart. And another time that it was like that was at Sky High one time. We had a church service at Sky High. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that, I think we've got the idea of the church wrong that we're supposed to go into these buildings and, you know, somehow go to a church. If, if that's not true. I mean, in Acts, you know, people met in houses and, and the house wasn't the church. It was the body of people that were the church. So I just feel really excited that we're building that, you know, with, through this technology. But I would encourage everybody to think about, you know, looking into organic churches and letting Jesus Christ be the head of it. So anyway, I I just thought it was a perfect example of, of the way that the church is supposed to operate. Thank you, Mel. I do too. And I'm going to send this right oh. now. I'm going to say, hang on, stay with me a second here. I'm right in the middle of something just popped into my head and I try to listen to the Holy spirit. And I did. So I want to get this H I J K. Let's do this. Uh, boy, we could do another show on the Bible translations and versions. Couldn't we? So I'm going to send this right now to uh, Jonathan. I think it's Jonathan today. I want to read this right here. Let me see. Let me do this. Let's do this. And then let's go here. Sorry, bear with me. Somebody can say something if you want to. Don't break, don't break what we're all about here. Hang just a second. Bear with me. Don't anybody say anything. 
Yes, it is so good. We're reading Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When we gather together in prayer, that's what we do. We come to him. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, I just sent you a brand new scripture I want to pull up because the Holy Spirit just spoke this to me as Mel was, was speaking. You guys, hey, folks, you need to start some home churches. You guys need to start some home churches. I'm going to tell you, if you've been in here for any length of time, you're well-equipped, well-equipped to get some people together and minister. You're well-equipped to do it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it, right? You don't have to call yourself a church. You don't have to be organized. And, I, you know, I like to go back into church history because the worst thing that ever happened was the, the, the uh, um, how do I say it? The, not the organization. That's not the right word. But the, uh, the, uh the corporate church, the organization, the rules and regulations, and the leadership and the hierarchy. There's the word I'm looking for. The hierarchy of the church. In fact, that's what Jesus spoke to the disciples. And I'm sorry, spoke to the Pharisees. That was the bone he picked with them. That you teach his doctrines and commandments of men, making the word of God no effect. He says, you guys just get together. You make a lot of rules. Make everybody follow the rules. And that's been Christianity. And it says in Corinthians which I just had him sat, Jonathan, just throw up there for you. And thus are the secrets of the heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of the truth. How is it then, brothers, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm. Every one of you has a doctrine. Every one of you has a tongue. Every one of you has a revelation. Every one of you have an interpretation. Let all things be done undedifying. And if anybody, then it gets into the tongue. But the idea being, this is a participation thing. Christianity's participation. Participation. You get to participate in church? Are you part of that at church? You go to your church, your 5,000-member congregation or your 100-member congregation? Are you part of it? Do you get to do anything? If the Lord spoke something to your heart, are you able to express it? No, it's control. Control. Remember, Satan. Satan is about control. Liberty, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty at any time during any church service. Without being rude or interrupted, you ought to be able to stand to your feet in the congregation and say what the Lord spoke on your heart. It is, what's the word? Oh, my goodness. It's like undeveloped football players. Watch, watch guys play baseball football. It drives me crazy. Did anybody, didn't anybody coach you? Didn't anybody coach you? I said to my buddy, Coach Norm, I went and watched his softball team play the other day. And uh, he's an assistant coach, so and Norm doesn't take the criticism. And I, I said, uh, I, after the game was over, I said this to him. I said, Coach, how come your kids don't run off, on and off the field? He said, what? So I said, I'm watching you players walk on the field. They walk on the field. What kind of attitude's that, coach? Run on the field. Run on, run off. These are attitudes, see. These are things that we allow to go. Oh, man. We ought to be pumped up. How many of you guys, you don't have to say this, can't wait to get up in the morning to fellowship with this crew? Huh? Isn't that the, isn't that the way it should be? Amen. Every day? 
Isn't that when you go to church, whatever day you go to church, shouldn't that be, man, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there because why? The Lord's going to do something in me. The Lord's going to speak to me. He's going to speak through me. I can't wait to get there. Instead, you go and you sit there. They do some puffy songs and then some six-foot icicle stands up and talks to you and tells what the Bible says, and you go home. And you never, if, if it was a gym, you did no workout. If it was a gym, you sat in the locker room. That's what you did. You go home, tell everybody you went to the gym. You didn't do anything. Went to the gym, had snack. Yeah, so you have to say amen. Because here's, here's where I want to go today, okay? Uh, this is what the Lord has really, really laid on my heart. Well, that sounds so religious, doesn't it? Laid on my heart. We lack courage, folks. We lack courage. And I'm here to tell you this morning on the 24th day of of April 2023 for show number eight, 1875. You're going to need courage in the days ahead. And you're going to need courage in the days ahead if we are going to prevail. It doesn't take any courage if we don't prevail. If, if your courage, if you are planning on being rescued by a rapture or whatever, it doesn't take any courage. But if you're going to be around here, maybe another, if you plan on being around here another three or four or five years, whatever it would be, you're going to need some courage because things aren't going to get better. They're going to get, they're going to get rougher because the Lord's going to start testing our metal. I just, uh, Jonathan's on top of it today. I just, I just put in Bible verses about, about courage. How many of them are there? Put, scroll them down there, John. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read all of them to you. Look at them. 25. You are least like Christ when you're scared. You are least like the Lord. When you are fearful. And I want to try to inspire you, encourage you to be bold. The righteous are as bold as lions, and evil men flee when no one pursues. Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said unto him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people unto the land that the Lord swore to the ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them at his inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Huh? Ephesians, finally be strong in the power of the finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, this is not King James. Okay, I don't know. Um, peace I leave with you, not my peace I give you. I give you not as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can men, mere mortal men do to me? On and on. You are least like the Lord when you're afraid. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a strong mind. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. Why would he tell you not to be afraid unless there was a chance you were going to be afraid? What, Betty, what's the devil's three weapons? Oh, I caught you off guard. What's the devil's three weapons? Lies, deception, and fear. Lies, deception, and fear. And the Lord says, don't fall for it. Don't fall for that fear. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Pull up the James Ryle email for me, Jonathan. I'm, I'm feeling this deep this morning. James Ryle. Are you ready? It costs to be a real Christian. 
What? Oh, yeah, it costs to be a real Christian, according to the Bible. There are enemies to be overcome, battles to be fought, sacrifices to be made, an Egypt to be forsaken, a wilderness to be passed through, a cross to be carried, and a race to be run. Conversion is not putting a person in an armchair and taking them easily to heaven. It's the beginning of a mighty conflict in which it costs much to win the victory. Wow. They wouldn't let him in a pulpit today, would they? James Roberts wouldn't get any way near near. I, I got a couple of neat things I want to show you real quickly here. Pull up uh, Facebook Man of God. A couple of things today. I'm feeling I'm feeling my oats this morning. Feeling my oats. You just click on my Facebook page, Jonathan's what you do. Just click on my Facebook page. And I saw this made me chuckle. Made me feel good. There's one of those kids. Love those kids. Scroll on. There you are. Have you guys seen this? Huh? Have you seen this? 30 seconds. Play that thing right there. Hey, we got some old men. They're trying to get drag queens to dance with these old men. I don't want you to miss the beginning. Go back to the beginning, John. Looks like you're right in the middle. Go ahead. Why don't we just pair up? I'm not into uh, touching, I'm, okay? I'm, I'm not letting okay. me put that out front. I'm no touching, no touching. No touching. I won't touch you. I was paired up with Isaac. He was like, no touching. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. The music will start. The boys will turn around. So, right. gentlemen, let's turn. Gorgeous. And then we start walking. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Three, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then maybe let's look at the gentleman. Gentlemen, you guys can acknowledge us. Ooh, who is this? Cool. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a man of God. I can't do this. Oh, no. Yeah, I love those people. I pray for them. I would never do anything to hurt them or condemn them. But men are not supposed to dress like women. I'm not going to go along go along with that. It's time to stand up and be a man of God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Huh? Pretty simple. Amen. I'm not going to go along with that. <laughs> I ain't going to go along with that. Who knows what he forfeited? He forfeited a little bit of money? What the heck? I ain't going to go along with that. Can't buy me like that. Sorry. Can't buy me. Right, pull up, go down the bottom and pull up, uh, pull up Megan Kelly. I'm liking her more and more all the time. Huh? I'm, I am. She's got some spunk. This is hey, she's going to say a bad word here. Okay, just scroll down, Johnny. Scroll down there. Scroll down. There. Just play this clip. Need more. We need more. Need more women with some boldness. Go ahead. Find our voices and start speaking up against this nonsense. We can kiss every woman's face goodbye. We can kiss women's rights goodbye. We can kiss sororities goodbye. We can take off our tops and our underwear and do our yoga in front of perverted men who just want to get off watching us till the cows come home. Stick your daughter in the sorority. Let them at her. Find your voices, ladies, and the men who support us. Otherwise, this is our future. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this shit at at Tridelt, at Kappa Kappa Gamma, in the women's locker room. You can be supportive of trans people and what they're going through without surrendering to this madness. Why do we surrender to this madness? Why do we surrender to this madness? Good question for you this morning, Clay. Tell me, Clay, how many men in the history of the world have given birth? I say zero. Zero. You would be right. You would be right. So there is a difference between a man and a woman, but we have surrendered to it, have we not? We've surrendered to it. 
There is a difference. Not one man. The next man who gives birth to a child will be the first man in the eons of time to have ever given birth to a child. You understand this? Why do we let them lie to us like that? Why do we let the devil continue to play us for fools? I'll tell you why. Because we ain't got any courage. We don't have any courage. Pull up the angry mom at the school board. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed you some good stuff this morning. I'm trying to, trying to put a little courage in you this morning. How about this angry mom shows up at the school board? Go ahead and play this one. It's about three minutes. Hang on. Hang on. Where are the pastors doing this? Where are the pastors doing this? Where are the pastors with their congregations doing this? Go ahead. I just want to know what it is uh, that makes a drag show family friendly. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family-friendly titles on anything. You can have family-friendly gentlemen's clubs, family-friendly strip shows, family-friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read-alouds. Will you approve my flyer if I want to host in all the sex secrets of the Kama Sutra for kids and families, if it's family-friendly? That's my question. What is it about a grown man, and I honestly, sincerely, as a woman, mean this. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out, a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fishnetted legs as he writhes on the ground, grinding his groin next to a minor, family friendly. You owe us an answer. And you know, you don't get to hide by just taking something down off Peachtree and calling it a day. You owe an explanation and an apology to young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. It makes you groomers and activist pimps and we won't have those sitting on a school board who oversees the education of our children. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. There's nothing loving. There's nothing Let's unite and include, because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries, and you don't slap family-friendly titles on stuff to cover your ass. Amen on that one. Amen on that one. You don't slap family-friendly drag queen shows, family-friendly pride parades, family-friendly perversion. Oh, that the people begin to speak up. Pull the non-binary kindergarten up. Non-binary kindergarten clip, Jonathan, is down at the bottom. Huh? Hey, folks, this is real stuff. This is real stuff. We're talking today about courage. We're talking about courage today. You're going to have to come up with some. You're going to need it. Go ahead and play this. Hey, hang on. Hang on, Jonathan. Get a barf bag. Get a barf bag. Get a barf bag. This is going on in America's schools right now. Get a barf bag. Go ahead. First day in our class. They're just looking around at all of you, and they're so curious to know who you all are. And the friend likes to ask the question, are you a boy or a girl? And Nash answers, 
I'm just a kid. But a kid. But kids can be boys or girls. They can be boys yeah. or girls. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe non-binary. Yeah. Yeah, just like me. So Nash, just like me, is non-binary. So they aren't sure if they're a boy or a girl. So when people ask them, are you a boy or a girl? Right now, they just feel like saying, I'm a kid. They're figuring it out. Why does he like, does he like stars? They like stars. They like stars. Yeah. And they are and really... They wore their star shirt because it's their favorite shirt. And because they were nervous today, they thought they would wear something that makes them feel special. So there you How go. There you go, huh? This point. It's, it's, folks, it's going, on, it's going on in our schools, right? It's going on in our schools. And uh, we can act like it's not. But it's going to take some courage to take this stuff on, right? It's going to take some courage. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm so proud about uh, the guys, gals here in the queue. Because a lot of you are, for the first time ever in your life, standing up, stepping out, making your voices known. And you're going to know this. The Bible promises you this. Are you, are you looking at me? You're going to be hated of all men. You're going to be hated. Pull up Matthew chapter 5. You're going to be hated of all men. Jesus, Folks, Jesus warned you. Matthew chapter 5. Scroll down through that for me, John. <clears throat> he talks about all the blessed are these, and he says, you're the salt of the earth. If your salt's loose, save it's good for nothing. Be trashed out. Maybe go up a little bit, Johnny. I may be. I may be down too far. Blessed are you. Hmm, oh, go ahead. Go back. Go back up. Go up to about seven. Just trying to give you a little scripture here, right there. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Huh? Clay. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey, hey, Gino. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. Say, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Rejoice what? Rejoice that you're being persecuted. Rejoice. John, scroll down. Rejoice that you're being persecuted. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Why? Because you stood up for the Lord publicly, and the Lord gave you a medal. The Lord gave you a crown. You don't even know it yet, but you should be excited. Boom. I got me a tattoo. I got me a Jesus tattoo. I got me an award, right? You're the soul of the earth. So what do they tell you in church? Oh, tolerate, don't judge, be nice, be kind, show love, right? The exact opposite message that Jesus gave us because truth is love. Truth is love. And anytime you speak truth, you are showing love, even if you speak it harshly. If I know that you go over and stick your finger in that electric socket over there, that it's going to kill you, and I yell at you, hey, you dummy, don't do that. That's love. It sounds like hate, but that's love. Hey, Joe, hey, Joe, please, Joe, quit looking at that pornography. It's going to pervert you. That's love. That's not hate. That's love, right? Are you guys, are you with me? Hey, Amen. Listen. Hey, do me a favor. Keep your, keep your penis in your pants. Tell your son, keep your penis in your pants. I love you, son. Keep your penis in your pants. Go say to my daughter, hey, keep your legs together, all right? Don't spread your, that, folks, that is love. That is not hate. Anyone want to argue? 
Amen. It's, it's exactly what they've told us not to do. They want us to play the nice card everywhere we go. Why? Because Jesus is love. Well, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Love defends. Love protects. Love speaks truth. Exactly the opposite message you're probably getting in your church. Right? Uh, I got to show you one more thing, and I'm going to open it up. and I'll, We'll go out of here for a while. I was reminded of this this morning. I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, Priest arrested 16 years ago. 16 years ago, Jonathan, down, down near the bottom. I don't know if I ever showed this to you guys or not. 16 years ago, my daughter and I, that's Gregory Thompson right there. We showed up at Notre Dame, University of Notre Dame, because uh, Obama was speaking, the most pro-abortion president in the history of America at that time. President Obama was was being invited to speak at Notre Dame. The most pro-abortion president we've ever had is invited to speak at Notre Dame. And some of us showed up, including uh, a Norman Wesleyan here, an old priest, been been jailed more times than he could ever spit. Hey, I'm not going to show you this. It's 8 minutes and 15 seconds. I'll put it in the chat if you can watch later. But I want you to watch what courage looks like as they slam this old priest. 86-year-old priest on the ground. Boys and girls, this is courage. Go ahead and play it. Play it at 1.5 speed. He's, he's 85 years old. 85 years old. Go ahead. You got it all backwards. They're trying to hurt the policemen so they, they, they shut up. That's what you do. That's why you got this whole problem. And now you got one around my neck. Careful, careful. Land of freedom. 
She's being free, freeze in a second. That's, that's enough. We don't have to watch more. Hey, folks, and look at all the people standing around watching this 85 year old priest be arrested by the huh? Did they really have to do that to him? Is there any courage anywhere? Huh? I think back on that, allowed that to happen. God help us, right? Courage. Courage is lacking in America today. We're going to need courage. We're going to need it. Jeff Klein, come on in. Coach, 20 months of doing school board meetings, roughly. Of lots of them, I've asked, are there any pastors here tonight? They must have watched that video, and they all ran scared. Yeah, buddy, that's all I know, Jeff. Shame on us. Shame on us. We got to keep fighting. George, come on in. I'm not done yet. I got more. Yeah, Coach, I don't know how. You said go to the thing after this, after it's over with and pull it up. I don't know how to do that. If somebody could please help me do that. Otherwise, please put it in the chat and you will get people hammered with this stuff. I mean, hammered. I'm not afraid. I don't care if they hate me. Please put it in the chat. Hey, Joe, do this for me, uh, Jonathan. Everything we show, stick it in the chat so they can grab it. Some of them can't get it. Can't get it. Okay? Thank you, Coach. Okay. Thank you. Let me, let me show you another one here. Hey, by the way, when was that? 2009? My daughter Maggie and I drove all the way up to uh, South Bend, Indiana, 13 years ago. Been doing this a while. Can I tell you what else happened when I walked up there? We walked in, Maggie and I walked up in. We walked into the room where the activists were. And I walked in the door, and the first guy I saw was Dr. Alan Keyes. I said, Dr. Dr. Keyes, what are you doing here? You know what he said to me? What are you doing here? Wow. He got arrested that day. Now, I didn't get arrested that day because I told, uh, I told those before I went up there I was not going to follow my sword for Notre Dame. I wasn't going to do it, right? I wasn't going to do it. Uh, so I, I didn't get arrested. Let me let me show you another. Pull up Hillary's house, folks. I'm just trying to I'm trying to encourage you this morning. I'm not trying to show off. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm trying to sh- look. I want you to put this at 1.5 speed, John. I don't know if you can. I just this popped up in my feed because it was four years ago, April 22nd, 2019. Four years ago that I went to Hillary's house by myself. Four years ago. And this is the video that I made on the way home. Just me riding in the car on the way home. I'm not, I'll show you a part of it. And then I'm going to, I'll put it in the chat and you watch the rest of it. By the way, this just popped up. Well, good evening there, folks. Coach Dave rolling down the, the road here. I'm not really looking at the camera or responding to anything anybody has to say. I'm on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The roads are pretty, pretty thin three lanes nothing dangerous so i'm not going to really appreciate all of your comments and all that stuff I, I, i'm not even going to look over at the camera just want to share with you a little bit of an afterthought of uh my trip to hillary's today i've been thinking about doing it for quite a while and uh you know scripture says we're supposed to count the cost Oops, let me get it down maybe you can see look you can count the cost everything we do in life jesus said that no man gets halfway into a project, decides it's more than he's willing to pay. Back out of it. Just count the cost before you do it. And I did. Weighed all those options and came to the realization that uh, I don't, I'm not so sure that I was willing to put all of my eggs into Bill Barr's basket. I'm not sure that I was willing to trust that the same evil government that's got us in this mess is going to extricate us out of it. And realized that at 15 Old House Lane in uh, Chappaqua, New York, lived probably the greatest political criminal 
concern in my lifetime. Walking free. Secret Service protection. Above the law. And then a nation whose leaders are above the law can't survive long. So I thought, uh, I asked, Lord, what can I do? What can a guy like me sitting in Hebron, Ohio, what can I do? So I decided uh, that I was going to get in my car. Left this morning, drove eight hours. Didn't really know what I was driving into. I was alone, even though the Lord tells us you shouldn't go alone. Felt the comfort of the Holy Spirit the whole time. I was, the whole time. And uh, my GPS told me I was going to get there about 4.30 in the afternoon. It's amazing how accurate those <laughs> GPSs are. Because that's about exactly the time I pulled in. It's 4.30. And I made the determination that we were gonna, I was going gonna to go... Uh, what we call Google Hangout. We broadcast it over the Google Hangout because you can't trust YouTube or Facebook or... or uh, okay, okay, you can pull that down. You can put it in the chat. You can watch it later. It's pretty profound, folks. I'm not I'm not showing it just to show off. It's just pretty... What I get into, it's very, very profound. Four years ago. It tells you a lot about right where we are when we're here. I want to show one more thing and then I'm, I'm going to open it up and let you come in there. Pull up... Uh, <clears throat> um, trying to find it. <laughs> Where is it? I just saw it. Jordan Peterson. Pull up Jordan Peterson. I think I, yeah, down there. I'm sorry. <coughs> Pull that up. I don't know if you guys know who Jordan Peterson is. He's he's a philosopher who's so slowly becoming a Christian, a real Christian. And here's what Jordan Peterson said. Go ahead and play that. It's only about a minute. Moral burden to bear. And that's the adventure of our life. That's the other thing so interesting about the Abrahamic story is that God calls Abraham out of his luxurious slumber and sends him into a catastrophe. Tyranny, starvation, war, brutal. But he has the adventure of his life. You might say, well, it's the adventure of your life that justifies the catastrophe of your life. It's not some simple-minded, juvenile hedonism or desire for comfort. That's not what we're built for. We're built for the adventure of our lives. And where do you find that? You find that in orienting yourself to the highest possible good in all ways and speaking the truth forthrightly along that pathway. Wake up. That's it. Along that pathway. One more thing, sorry. I got them all. I'm stacking them up here on you. Bring up Jim Caviezel. Bring up Jim Caviezel. It's right, it's right below Jordan Peterson. I didn't number him today. Uh, this is Put this at 1.5 as well. This is a guy who played uh, Passion of the Christ, Jim Caviezel. You know who he is. Go ahead. It's about courage today, folks. We are headed into the storm of all storms. Yes, the storm is upon us. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot buy our security of one nation under God. Our freedoms in Christ are saved from the threat of the devil any longer. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends refuse to face. Our priests, our pastors, and now, sadly, even our Pope. But his policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum, and what then? 
When Satan has told his own, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war and someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum. Our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within. Spiritually, morally, economically, he believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price. Or better read than dead, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees with his mask on than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. Because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for. Well, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy, or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace, you say? Well, it's a simple answer after all. That you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. And this goes for our beautiful, beloved Constitution as well. Just barely hanging in there by a lifeline. Do we even believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? You know, there's no coincidence why it's in that order. Because without your life, you have no liberty. And without your life, you have no happiness. That all men are created equal, ladies and gentlemen, not born equal. Winston Churchill said that the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move throughout the world, we learn we are spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. My fellow Americans, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth. I will sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war now with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind and his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those of us that have the most to lose to the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. My fellow Christian warriors, set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. We weren't made to fit. We were born to stand out. And that is the freedom that I wish for you. Freedom from sin. Freedom from our weaknesses. Freedom from the slavery that sin makes out of all of us. That is the freedom that is worth dying for. Kind of reminds me of the words that Mel Gibson first intoned in his Academy Award-winning film Braveheart. When he said to his ragtag army, and I say to you tonight, I see before me a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? This man says no, we'll run and we'll live. Yep, fight, you may die. Run and you'll live. For at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you have been willing to trade all the years from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that you can take our lives. You can never take our freedom. Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. You, 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 we must fight for that authentic freedom and live, my friends. By God, we must live. And with the Holy Spirit as your shield and Christ as your sword, may you join St. Michael and all the angels in defending God and setting Lucifer in his entrance straight right back to hell where they belong. The storm is upon us. But not without Jesus, our rudder. And in the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good run afraid. God bless you. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Man, what a line. Come on in, Jeff. Morning, Coach. It's been a Morning. while. 
Yes. I, think I got my voice back. I like to say it's been pretty busy. I went to the Nevada State Legislature to fight Bill 172, which to take away all parental rights regarding the medical conditions of the children. So they can get abortion, they can be trans, whatever. It's ever disgusting. The Capitol Police followed me everywhere. They did. Mm-hmm. I challenged and I challenged and I spoke at committee. It is unfortunate they passed it on July, excuse me, April 19th. And they passed it. And so it's on to the assembly half. So far, a lot of people are against it. 80% are against it. Only 18 are more for it. Also, I'm going before a judge magistrate for doing the righteous thing. As you said, what do you do? I got a citation. Okay, a lot of things going on here, and I hope we get my voice back, Lord, because we are, this is my, this is the Chippewa of the state of Nevada to take away the parental rights of every parent in the state of Nevada. Thank you. Amen, Jeff. First John, Jonathan, First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Now, look, I'm going to go back to where I've been a, a million times. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Why did Christ save you? Why did he save you? Did he save you just to wander around here for a while, then get up in heaven and sit around and worship him the whole Is that really? Really? That's what it was about? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. Therefore, the world knoweth. By the way, Jesus was what? The firstborn of many brethren. When we're born again, we're a brother of Christ. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're born again, you're born from on high. Just like he was born from on high. And you are what? You're called the sons of God. And look, so the world doesn't know who you are. <laughs> right? Well, because I didn't know him. Beloved, we are now the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we do know this. That when he shall appear, we're going to be like him because we're his brother. And we're going to see him as he is. A spirit man. You're a spirit man, folks. You're a spirit man. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. And whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law, for the sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he came to take away our sins. In him there is no sin. And whoso abideth in him doesn't sin. And whoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knows him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. For even as he is righteous, and he that committeth sins of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. And for this purpose, the Son of God showed up, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why Jesus come? And there it is. We sit by, and we cower in fear, and we hide, afraid somebody's going to say something bad about us, or we might get an article written about us in the paper, or we might even get a ticket. Might have to pay $150 for standing up for the Lord. What did Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Where is that? Is that, is that Isaiah 1? 
Is that Isaiah? That's not one. Is that Isaiah? Anybody know where that is? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. John's going to find it for us. It's uh, no, no. Here I am, send me. Here I am. It's Isaiah. Maybe it's. I think it's around six, I believe. Isaiah John's, six, I think. Or close to it. Six, eight. Six, eight. There you go. Six. Bring up six. Bring up six. Not eight, just six. In the year that King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up in his train filled the room, temple. There stood the angels, one had six wings, two covered his face, and one cried, Holy, holy, the other holy. And the post and the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Scroll down, John. And then I said, Whoa, is me, because he saw God, saw, saw the righteousness of God. So I'm, I'm done because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the angels, one of the seraphims unto him, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs and the altar, and laid it upon my mouth and said unto me, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and your sin is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, uh, who shall I send? And who will go from it for us? Isaiah looks around. The Lord just touched him, cleansed him. Isaiah appreciated what the Lord just done. And then the Lord said, hey, anybody out there go fight for me? Will anybody go fight for me? And then Isaiah says, yeah, I will. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm going to tell you something. When he sends you, he'll never leave you. He'll never send you on an assignment that he's not with you and doesn't cover you. We have to keep that in mind every time we step into the, what we would call the cultural battle, the spiritual battle. When we stand up and speak up, we have to know you're going to be hated of all men. But if he sent you, and you said, I'll go for you, Lord. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Amen. You got to get that, you got to get that in you, folks. You got to get that in you. Perilous times are coming. Perilous times. Mark Trump, come on. I saw your hand up. Come on in. We got 10 minutes. Come on in, folks. It's all over me this morning. Hey, Coach. Uh, yes. Why Jesus come? I thought he came to be raptured. <laughs> Well, he came to do the rapture, right, I guess. Well, he was raptured, I guess, right? Well, I mean, he, he taught people what to do. And that was the word, do. Mm-hmm. They had to go and do. He didn't come just to wait. That's not why he came, right? No, that's right. In fact, Mark, when he turned the water into wine, his first miracle is the most profound statement probably in all the Bible. Mary gathered the servants around him after he turned the water into the wine, just before he turned the water into wine. She gathered him around. What did she say to him? Hey, whatever he says unto you, do it. Is that simple? Whatever he says unto you, do it. By the way, that's how a football team operates. Whatever I say to the players, they do it. If they don't do it, we don't move the ball. If they don't do it, we don't stop the other team. Whatever he says unto you, do it. And you mean the Lord's not telling you to do anything? You're not telling you to do anything? 
You can't look around and see anything that you could do that might expand the kingdom. You can't look around anywhere where you are and see where the Lord needs defended. You say, well, Coach, the Lord doesn't need defended. Well, sure he does. Sure he does. Who will go for me? We just read it. Who will go for me? Who shall I send? Who will go for me? It's a good question. Good question. Nobody wants to talk to me today? Hmm? Here am I, send me, Lord. What is it you'd have me to do? What is it you'd have me to do? Our pastors don't even defend Jesus. Uh, they, no, they don't even they don't even go. They don't go defending. No, no, no. We have teachers that tick tickling ears, right? Clint, come on in. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking earlier about church and you trying to use people in in church. My problem is I want people to step up <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, you have to drag, uh, drag them. I've even opened up Wednesday nights. I, I said, anybody wants to teach, anybody wants to, you know, the, it's yours. And I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to get people. I love my people. They're strong Christians, mm-hmm. but they're just not. Stepping into what God has for him, I believe. Well, it's because I think it's a strong delusion, Clint, myself, that we've we've fallen into this church pattern. This isn't a slam on you, but their whole life they've been in church where they haven't been asked to do anything. They're never part of the service unless they're in the choir or an usher or something like that. that, Other than that, it's sit around and listen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I even I even talked last Wednesday night, you know, get over your personality. And, you know, people say, well, I'm shy or I'm this. But, oh, oh my gosh, we talk about the University of Georgia. You're not shy. You know, it's it's just it's just hard. The righteous are as bold as lions and an evil man flew when no one pursues. Right. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. It's the spirit of Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's right. Who who can I send and who who will go for me? The Lord asks. He's asking that even today, I believe. Yes. Love you, Clint. Go ahead, Joe Allen and Julie. What uh Clint just said, this this is what I've experienced in the past eight years. If a pastor in a church Let's his head of the household. What's the head of the household? Every man of each house. A segment, you know, everybody wants to leave in one hour. Pastor, shake hands, that door gone. Let the head of the household stand up and do a three-minute prayer. Mm. In church, while you children are in front of you, they're not in children's church school. They're on the pews with you. Let yeah. each, you want courage? Let the men stand up in your church and do a three-minute prayer. Amen. So, so Clint, I would suggest this. To every pastor out there listening, if there are any, you need to begin assigning duties. You need to go, you need to go over and you need to grab Randall and say, hey, Randall, listen, next Sunday you're doing the opening prayer. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Randall, next Sunday. You're doing the opening prayer. You have to teach them to walk before they can run, to put an anointing on them, right? Look at the, I, I, look, I, this Amen, is. Amen, coach. 
Amen, look, Coach. Look, look how look how Joe. Joe, who does the communion, look how he has blossomed since he's been given a duty. Look at Myra, how she's blossomed since she's been given a duty. And if I was a pastor out there, I would go up and I would tell, I would be finding men, mature men that I think can handle it, and say, listen, uh, I don't want to scare you, but two weeks from today, you're giving this sermon. Two weeks from today. You've got two weeks to prepare it. You can show a video. You can do whatever you want to, but you are going to give the sermon. Guys, that's the only way you teach people to play. You can't show them videos of how others play. You got to take them through and you got to walk it on. And I would say this, that most pastors are not putting a demand on the people. Julie. Good morning. Thanks, Coach. Um, how many pastors disciple their congregation? What I mean by that is sending them out, not in. Like, I believe the mission field is outside the four walls of the church. We're hurting people who are going to go to church. They don't send them because they don't go. Yep. But we have to go out there and reach them because they're not going to come to us. Amen. we got to go get them. Go ye, it says. Go ye, not come ye. Clay. The men and women in this country that were willing to have, that, that were courageous, had courage and willing to sacrifice their their own well-being for other people. They went to January 6th, Washington, D.C. And uh, a lot of them had congregations. I'd say there's a good chance that many of them that went had congregations. And you don't hear any sermons about uh, any any preachers backing these people. Yeah, nobody cares. What a good job they did. Nobody cares that they're in jail. Nobody cares, Clay. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm going to try to find out, but I'd say a lot of the people in jail, I know a lot of them that are in jail uh, are retired military or former yeah. military. Yeah. And people that served our country are in the gulag or in the prisons without you know, uh, a, a bail. They should have got $5,000 bail or something and been out waiting on a court date, not rotting in prison after they served our country. Clay, if they'd have just kept their mouth shut and obeyed the government, they wouldn't be in the mess. They did it to themselves. Come on in, Betty. Um, yes, I tell you what, I was one of those people. You know, if you asked me to do something at one time, if they ever asked you at the church, I was too scared or not. I did what I, I always thought I can't do this because I don't know how to do it. Right. But thanks to you and this group, I've got more courageous. I'm going. I will be going back to school board meetings once Rube is up and running. But um, I'm learning how to pray better and to, and and to read the Bible more. Yeah. And they don't do that. And I tell you what, it's hard. I bet 95 percent of those people are in the same boat I was. Amen. But it, it, but it took a lot of courage and a lot of <laughs> I don't know if I can do this type. But it, it's getting better. Amen. Amen. Stay away from that, Coach Dave. He's a cult. He's a cult. Stay away from him. Roger Gates, come on in. Coach, you know what helped to win the Revolutionary War? Big time. Pastors spoke in their congregations about the need to fight for their independence. Yes, sir. And then when he finished uh, preaching, he took men with him and joined the army. That's right. And when he went to fight, they were they were given the leadership of the congregations of men that they brought with them. Amen. That's exactly right, man. That's exactly and, and in right. order to win this battle, we have to get pastors to get into the fight. And Amen. To get or, to- or find new leaders. 
find new leaders. Laura Ann, quickly. Um, I just want to thank this group because you've given me my voice back Amen. to rise up. Because I, I, when you start intimidating people, when you do show up and you do that in churches, then they make fun of, like, for in my instance, I was made fun of how I prayed, yeah. what I said. They ridiculed me, literally ridiculed me so to the point where now I was completely silent. And because of this group and because of your coaching techniques that you've applied to this group, I Amen. have a voice again. Amen. You got your voice back. Huh? Huh? Hey, folks, you can search the scriptures all you want to. Doesn't say much about being silent. Oh, I talk every once in a while about keeping your peace. No, no, but it's being silent in the face of evil. Nah, uh-uh, no, no. What did Bonhoeffer say? Quickly, I don't know. I'd say eight o'clock. Uh, being silent is uh, acting and not failing to act. Being silent is evil itself. Being silent is evil itself. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Nothing as courageous as courage. There's nothing as, as, as contagious as courage. Blessings. See you tomorrow.